0: Welcome to Ryan Ranson Raves, a podcast series by the Quebec government office in New York. Bienvenue à Ryan Ranson Raves, une série de podcasts par le gouvernement du Québec à New York. Today, you know, I'm very pleased and excited to have my guest. I've been waiting to speak with her. So I'm with Asla and Magnus' daughter. She is a serial entrepreneur and she's a true pioneer within the fashion industry. Asla, thank you for taking the time to chat with me today.
1: Thanks so much for having me on. It's a pleasure.
0: And I guess before, you know, we get into the nitty gritty, can You just give a brief overview about yourself, perhaps how you entered this great industry we call fashion.
1: Absolutely. I actually grew up, uh, just to give a little bit of background, uh, grew up in Iceland, a a country where I had limited access to fashion, but it was always an industry that that I was interested in. But growing up in Iceland, I felt like I needed to be somewhat practical in in my career choices, and I, I studied law. But I later moved to the US for my graduate studies and while I was there, I, I met uh, a few business school colleagues that had worked in the fashion industry, and I realized that this that I could have a real career in in fashion. And I gradually found my way into the fashion industry through investments. I joined a family office in in the UK. I moved to london after after business school. And I realized I'd found my passion. I love working at the intersection of creative and business and love the product. So I spent some time on the investment side, but realized I wanted to become uh, more operationally involved. And um, after moving to New York, I eventually joined Guild Group, which uh, you may remember, uh, and and it's still around, but... Gilt was, was one of the early sites offering high-end fashion at a discounted rate. So I joined them in 2009 and, and they had gone from zero to 400 employees in in, in wow. less than two years. So it was very, very exciting to, to be involved in, in luxury e-commerce at the time. And while I was there, I had the idea for, for what became Moda Operandi. And that was about connecting designers with customers around the world immediately after the runway show and allowing customers to order uh, from the runway. And that hadn't been possible before. So I, I left Guild to start Moda, brought in um, Partner to co-found it with me, and, and together we we launched Moda. It went live in, in early 2011. And Moda really took off at a time that uh, the the economy was recovering and and people were becoming more comfortable buying fashion online and ran that for the first few years. I've I've done some other uh, startups since then. And and my most recent one, uh, which I'm very passionate about, is is Katla. And Katla, I launched in January of, of 2020. And that is a brand that's focused on being um, environmentally friendly as well as as uh, sustainable in, in in other respects uh, when it comes to uh, treatment of, of people and animals. But I'm sure we'll dive into into that in more detail.
0: <laughs> yes, we shall. I, I really like your your background in it. It's, it's great how you know that one small meeting you know at your business school really, allowed you to start on this path in fashion it's great that you know how small moments like that really dictate the future in our lives and it's it's also great to see like you know how guilt you know gives you a great idea of how e-commerce works and how you brought that to mode operandi
1: no it's very true and when i think back i look back at my career it really wasn't planned out you know, I I didn't sit there thinking I'm gonna, you know, when I was in college thinking I'm gonna build a, a fashion e-commerce business. They didn't even exist <laughs> when when I was young. But these moments and you know, just continuously meeting interesting people that kind of push your thinking. But yeah, these small moments um, can can really kind of change uh, change the course of of your career and. And I've just, I've always, I've always followed my heart and my passion in terms of my career choices and have done what I've enjoyed doing and, and where I feel like I can, I can have some impact or make, make some change. And so that's, that's kind of what has taken me on this path that I've been on. So, so now let's talk about Catla. Can, can
0: you share a bit about Catla and what was your inspiration? And I know it has a tie to, to Iceland as well.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. So, you know, having spent most of my career in, in the fashion industry, it's an industry I'm I'm very passionate about. And 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 I've I've always been looking at ways to to try to make some improvements that will make it a more efficient industry. And and I realized in more recent years that and and I think people in general have realized in in more recent years how significant the impact is that the fashion industry has on our world. Mm -hmm. Um, Sadly, it is responsible for about 10% of carbon emissions. It's the second most water polluting industry in the world. And there's been a lot of conversation about sustainability within the industry and some small uh, steps being taken uh, here and there but I felt like there wasn't enough being done to holistically address the problems that, that we're facing as an industry. And I wanted to create a business that would, and it's, you know, it's by, by no means perfect. And there's a lot to still be done, but, but I really wanted to create from scratch a company that, that really thought through these issues and try to design something that was as holistically sustainable as possible, knowing that there's still a lot of room for improvement. I saw that with large established fashion brands, it's, uh, you know, it's hard to change things quickly. You have huh. complicated supply chains, etc., But it's it's kind of the luxury of of being new and small to be able to design it uh, from the beginning and in a different way. So so some of the components, obviously, uh, the fabric selection is extremely important, the dyes that are used, um, the fact that they're animal cruelty free. Well, actually, we are fully vegan at this point. But also other components, I think one of the things that's, that's very neglected in the industry, you know a lot of people are focusing on the fabrics but but one of the very neglected and very high impact things is is actually trying to tackle overproduction mm-hmm. so we have an industry where there's 30 to 40% overproduction every season because brands don't actually know what's in the end going to sell and they're producing months in advance and this i wanted to tackle with with katla and we are doing that through on-demand and small-batch manufacturing, which currently is all happening locally uh, in the United States, which is our our core market today. So, this is a, a very core factor and. You know, this this makes sense. Actually, not just environmentally, but but also economically. (laughs) Uh, If you're if you produce thirty to forty percent too much inventory every season, then obviously you're going to have a lot of discounting or leftover industry. uh, Sorry, leftover inventory, and and this we wanted to to avoid. We additionally place a lot of emphasis on transparency through unique tracking numbers on every item we produce. So our customers, when they receive their item, they'll get... And in some cases, we've actually put these big patches on the, on the exterior of our, our hoodies and sweatpants, for example, that have this unique tracking number. And once you get your item, you can type it into the site and you can learn about the history of the item, who made it, where the fabrics yeah. came from, etc. And final point to mention in terms of our sustainability practices is that we ask our customers, if you stop using your item, and we hope they continue to use them for many years because they are designed (laughs) to be timeless, but but if you decide you don't want to use it anymore, please don't throw it away. Uh, Let's not have it end in landfill. Send it back to us and we will either recycle or resell if it's in good enough condition. And we offer free shipping back and an incentive as well towards uh, a shopping credit towards towards the next purchase to incentivize customers yeah. to do that. The fact that you manufacture
0: in the U.S. means the footprint is even smaller because if most are clienteles in the U.S., then you know the delivery there is not as long. You're not saying a plane, like if you're manufacturing in China, it's in a plane and that increases the carbon footprint.
1: Yeah, there, there are several benefits. And, and obviously, we do expect our business to grow in other markets over time. So we will look at local manufacturing yep. as our business expands. But for right now, yeah, as, as, as I mentioned, the bulk is in the U.S., And so that does uh, make it, and and it also, because we're doing on-demand manufacturing, being closer to the customer to allow for speedier delivery is is important. But, you know, a lot of brands historically, I think one of the issues in the industry is they've been focused on just looking at the the lowest unit production cost. Mm -hmm. And often they can find that in, in foreign markets. And that has led to them, you know producing often months in advance without this knowledge of what's going to sell. And I think there needs to be a, a bit of a shift in mentality because if you start taking all the costs associated with that, obviously, uh, you know Covid showed us the risks of producing uh, far away. Um, mm-hmm. Brands didn't get their uh, product. but but even in a normal um, in normal times, there's a lot of cost associated with overproducing. So, if you start overproducing by 30 to 40% every season, if you start looking, instead of looking at just your unit cost of production, and you start focusing on the actual achieved margin across the products, you know, across the full set of products you make, I think that's a, a healthier way to look at it. And it yep. actually um, will lead to better economics for the business, as well as a, a much better situation when it comes to impact on, on the environment.
0: That's a great point.
1: But I did want to ask,
0: what, what does Katla mean? What does it stand for? How, what's the meaning of the name? Oh, Katla is actually
1: the name of, uh, it's an Icelandic volcano. Oh, okay. Uh, yes. And it's also a, an Icelandic female name. And I thought those references were, were very uh, important for the brand. Catalea is a force of nature yeah. and, and, you know, a big part of what we are are trying to do is, is to protect nature and the environment. Um, and it is a, a strong female name. And, and that's another aspect of what we want to do is to be supportive of women. We want to be inclusive for a broad variety of, of women and also in our blog, we love to write about um, women who who have inspiring stories. So so we want that to be an important part of the brand to really support support women as well.
0: And is Catla um, still active? Is the volcano still active? Uh, the, the volcano is not active currently,
1: um, okay. thank, thankfully. <laughs> it, uh, we do have another active volcano in Iceland at the moment, uh, which is quite close to Reykjavik, but no, Katla last erupted in, in 1918. Um, okay. So hopefully we we won't see it erupt for a while. <laughs> uh, but but yes, you you asked about the tie in with Iceland. So you know, I, I of course I grew up in Iceland. I think Iceland Iceland is one of the countries that is quite far along in terms of sustainability. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, the, uh, the energy production in Iceland is is all renewable. Uh, there is a deep respect for nature. Kind of as is, is, that's a big part of our. Our culture and and it is some of the most beautiful nature in the world. So the brand really draws inspiration from that nature, and and a lot of our creative comes from Iceland.
0: Now I do want to mention because you've written you know several articles about this, but you've written the article about diversity and inclusion. Um, I think it was back in February. Mm-hmm. Um, can you write? Can you share a bit about why the moment is now for the fashion industry to be more inclusive?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think the moment is now for all industries to be more... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I agree. But...
0: <laughs> but, uh,
1: yeah, exactly. But uh, but but focusing on, on my industry, which is fashion, and that was what the article was focused on. I think fashion touches on a lot of lives and in a lot of different ways. It employs a lot of people, but it's also an industry that impacts our culture heavily through the images it puts out in, in magazines, etc. And so looking all across uh, the industry, you know, I, I don't think the industry has has done a good enough job. Now we still have, and I, I, w- I will say there has been improvement over the last uh, year and a half. Obviously the events of, of uh, the summer of, of 2020 uh, really did lead many companies to, to try to make changes quickly. But uh, the industry, unfortunately, you know, still has a long way to go. If you look at leadership within fashion companies, Mm. it's still predominantly white male. And there hasn't been enough done to change that. And there there are several. And and, and if you look at, you know, so one one very important initiative that that launched last year was the 15% pledge, Um, uh, led by Aurora James, um, uh, who's a, a fashion designer, and uh, there she went on to social media, and she she said, "If if you really want to help us, then you know, an important thing you can do. Um, African Americans are about fifteen percent of of the population of of the U.S., so fifteen percent of the products that." you sell in stores should be from, from black owned businesses. So she launched that pledge and, and thankfully that really took off. And and major companies signed up for that quickly and, and have continued to do so. So, so basically asking that, um, 15% of the products stocked in their stores, um, would be from black owned businesses. So, so that's one, one important initiative that, that came out of this. But it's it's important to think about these matters holistically. Every touch point, like who are you buying your product? You know, who are your suppliers? What is your leadership team? How are your team structures? And and are you you know ensuring inclusion and in, in team conversations and, and de- decision making throughout the organization? And then there's of course the external representation of of the brand who's featured in your ad campaigns or. Yeah. Participates in your press, etc. But I do think that last year we saw a huge increase in in consumers clamoring for change, and so hopefully that will continue, and the momentum from that will continue, so that we can see some some long lasting change from from those events. And the fifteen percent that's that pledge is great because it's it's authentic and it
0: it could be long term. So hopefully they stay true it and continue that because you know. That you could speak with your dollar very, very strongly as a company as well. Yeah. Um, now to speak about, you know, because the title of the podcast is Rants and Raves. Do you have anything <laughs> to rant or rave about? You know, what <laughs> excites you, frustrates you? You could name sure. one, or, <laughs>
1: one or both. <laughs> Well, I, I think what what excites me is is um, you know all the possibilities that actually technology offers to the industry to to move it towards more sustainability. I think we're better positioned than ever before to to create a sustainable industry. and And that's in so many ways. So I mean fabric innovation is is one. So just an example would be you know leather that's grown from stem cells instead yeah. of animals um ai playing into and supporting uh decisions in terms of what gets designed and and uh what gets manufactured um 3d renderings that uh help you sh- display product without actually having to sample and and uh and shoot it, and you know, send samples across the country potentially, or um, so things that can is things that can support minimizing again, to, touching on the over overproduction, uh, things that can support uh, minimizing overproduction of, of both samples that and items that aren't going to sell. Blockchain is. Uh, yeah now starting to support uh, transparency in the industry. So as we start to see more supply chain transparency, blockchain is also supporting kind of the verification of, of that information. So I, I you know, the, and this is just touching on, on a few things. And so I think there are a lot of exciting, exciting things to come um, that, that will help us move towards a, a more sustainable industry that that our, our technology Driven in terms of complaints, um, I do think it's it's frustrating that we are moving so slowly as an industry. Yeah. We spend a lot of time talking about sustainability. We're not doing enough, fast enough, because our responsibility is huge. As leaders in this industry, we are having a major impact on the world, and we need to, we need to make change quickly. When I read it's more
0: I think one of your articles you wrote that it's more polluting than the aeros the airline industry as well as the maritime industry, which, you know, on the average person wouldn't think about that that fashion is that polluting. But it is
1: isn't that incredible? I mean, and this is, and this is airline industry pre-COVID when there were all the, you know,
0: (laughs) commercial flights. Yeah, it's it's insane. (laughs) Yeah,
1: exactly. It's when I saw that, I I mean, it's just shocking. Like, I think, uh, I think we just, we also need to increase awareness about this. I, it has increased a lot over the last two to three years, but but not enough. Um, every every consumer needs to understand this. Like the decisions you're making about the fashion you buy are impacting our world in a big way.
0: You know, and, and what can dissolve in the landfill and what can't dissolve in the landfill. Yeah, you know that's yeah. that's that's also something that's very important because even someone's like, oh, I buy this because it's sustainable, quote unquote. It might not be very profitable to the environment. Its footprint. Yeah. So it, it, it's a it's a tough challenge. So you're like, you know, there needs to be more transparency and education to the consumer about how is it not a large footprint so but the technology will help (laughs) so that's going to be excited about (laughs) yes exactly exactly (laughs) Um, and i know you have not had the occasion yet to go to quebec or montreal the city in quebec but do you have anything to say about the the country of canada or maybe the province of quebec anything at all
1: well, I have, so I have visited uh, Canada a couple of times. So I, I have been to Toronto Good. and I've been to Calgary <laughs> and um, you know, I-, I think Canada's amazing. It's, it's, beautiful. And, um, I, I, I sense that there in terms of a value shared with Icelanders of this respect for nature and love of nature and and the nature there is, there is beautiful. So, so that's, that's one of my, my favorite things. Um, but it's, it's a fun place to visit and I need to, I need to do that again soon.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So so hopefully I think that, I think you're allowed to travel now. I should know that since they're my employer, but.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> I'm, I'm, no, I'm traveling much less than I did, but hopefully those days will, will come again. That, <laughs> that we yeah. can start traveling.
0: <laughs> exactly. Hopefully 2022. Time will tell. Time will tell. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I always like to close and, you know, I think um, your words would be, you know, be very strong, but I always like to ask my guests if they have any advice to those in the industry. And I know there's a lot of tidbits of advice that you shared, you know, within our conversation, but do you have any other advice that you'd like to share to our listeners?
1: Yes. So I would say focus on what you're passionate about. Think about the impact the, the industry is having and, and how you can make a change. And we we can all make a change uh, for the better wherever we are within an organization. I, I also like to give, you know, I, I, I like to talk to people who are considering you know, entrepreneurship um, and uh, you know, many people ask me about that kind of taking the plunge. They may be working in the industry, but they want to do something on their own. And I always say, don't start a business just to start a business. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to be you need to be really passionate about the idea because you know, being an entrepreneur is is a difficult journey. Uh, there will be ups and there will be downs. <laughs> and um so so you need to have a lot of conviction around around your idea to to do it. But but if you find that idea you're passionate about it is uh for me it has been an extraordinarily rewarding experience to to be an entrepreneur and, and to to be able to build something from from scratch. So yeah yeah.
0: Well, that, that those are great words and you know, passion and making change I think that's that's a great combo together but thank you again Asla for your time merci encore and then I look forward to chatting with
1: you the next time hopefully in New York in person wonderful thank you so much it was a pleasure
0: merci d'avoir écouté Ryan's Rants and Raves suivez-nous sur Instagram at Ryan's Rants and Raves thank you for listening to Ryan's Rants and Raves follow us on Instagram at Ryan's Rants and Raves à très bientôt